What's going on, NBA family? Welcome back to another episode. Today's Saturday, December 30th. By the time you're hearing this, it's probably going to be New Year's or New Year's Eve. So happy New Year's to everybody out there, man. And here with us today to discuss some of this great NBA action that we got going on around the league is a familiar face of this show. Definitely not his first time here. This is my guy, Garrett, the one and only Super Mario Hoops 24. My dog, how you doing? Doing pretty good. You know, always a pleasure to be on the show talk about hoops and stuff like that and it seems like today we're gonna have a lot to talk about so we definitely are gonna have a lot to talk about man we have a great episode lined up we're gonna talk about some news we got a new segment i'll be introducing red light green light just surrounding the february trade deadline that's approaching we got the classic rate your worry and then as always we'll finish it off with the winners and losers of the week but Let's get straight into it, man. For the family out there, be sure to subscribe, hit that bell button so you can stay up to date with all things NBA, bringing you the best infotainment around the league. But Garrett, man, if we're going to start with some news, then we got to start with some of the biggest news that uh, hit just this morning. The Toronto Raptors send OG Ananobi to the New York Knicks for a package including RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly and some draft considerations. So let me open up the floor, floor first to you, my brother, and say, give me some of your thoughts on this first initial reaction to that. Yeah, well, I think it's it's definitely not a bad trade on either side. Um, you know, when you think of comparing OG and RJ Barrett, I think most people would probably give the edge toward OG and Anobi, although it's not like they're too far off of players. Um, the biggest reason, though, why I think you know, the Raptors probably came away as slight winners in this though, is even though I've never really been too high on Emmanuel quickly, like when you think about just the trade, like, you know, they're trading away basically their six man and their offense off the bench for what? Like, you know, you got Malachi Flynn, who's going to be in that role. I don't see him doing anything like that. I think getting precious Achua is pretty good considering you know Mitchell Robinson's expected to miss like basically the whole year so I'm sure him and Hardenstein will kind of be sharing like that responsibility but he's kind of an undersized big as well so you know he's like like a bulky center I like to I guess say that but like he's not like a like a tall type of center um and he can probably stretch out the floor a little bit more although it's kind of rare that you've ever seen big men in a Tom Thibodeau system that had the opportunity to like space the floor like that, given like how the system was run. So his strengths, it's going to be hard like to maximize that for New York. I, I OG and Anobi, he provides maybe a better catch and shoot option than RJ Barrett. Although even though he's shooting like 37% from three this year on like six, six attempts, like I just don't know if he's reliable enough. Cause I feel like he could have a stretch where he goes, 30% from three over the course of three weeks, you know, maybe he could shoot better. feels like a lot of the games where he shoots really well from three are on lower volume, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know how that's going to affect it, but on the Raptor side of things, you know, RJ Barrett going back home, I think maybe he'll be a little bit more rejuvenated there. Um, and Emmanuel quickly for him, it's like, this is a guy who it seems like, yeah, like in, in a way, I think people compared him a little bit to Bones Highland. Bones Highland last year wanted out of Denver and he wanted to kind of like get more responsibility as a point guard, you know? Um, obviously that hasn't happened much since they traded for James Harden, the Clippers, uh, now that he's been there. But like, 
I think Emmanuel quickly it was kind of the same thing, although like he wasn't like I don't think he was like at ends with Brunson, much how like Bone Thailand felt like he was at ends with like Jamal Murray or something. But I think he wanted that opportunity where it's like I can be like the point guard, right? And now you're going somewhere like Toronto, who even though Scotty Barnes has kind of played like a point forward, like they've also had Dennis Schroeder, who's played like about 29, 30 minutes a game as well. Like he's going to be taking those minutes. He could be inserted into the starting lineup too. So I think it's good for him for that. Do I think the Raptors become a playoff team now? No, because especially since it seems like they're going to more than likely keep trying to shop Pascal Siakam after this. So it seems like they're just kind of like trying to change the whole identity of the team. Whereas the Knicks, like seems like this is a move for right now and to still certify a playoff spot. But I don't know. I feel like they might have. It's going to be hard to like OG for RJ Barrett won't be too hard to replace or maybe even improve. It's going to be hard to replace Emmanuel quickly's 14, 15 points off the bench because now you're asking guys to fill in the shoes that they haven't been asked to fill before. Absolutely, brother. I think that was a great point brought up. And I mean, for the first initial thoughts that I had with it was like, okay, Knicks are trying to go all in. They're trying to do this. And I think it's it's a good move bringing, bringing OG for RJ Barrett. I mean, RJ Barrett constantly getting killed for his defense and his his shot chucking it like so he shot chucks and then doesn't play the doesn't play great defense like that's that the, the, there's got to be a middle ground with that if you're gonna shot chuck you're gonna have if you're gonna shot chuck you're gonna have to play some good defense uh or at least be an efficient shot shot chucker and uh unfortunately rj barrett doesn't do neither of those isn't efficient nor nor plays good defense uh but bringing og I, I do think that solidifies your defense a lot more um like how you talked about i do worry about their about their bench now because just a man quickly was just so was so vital for them off the bench and we know deep playoff runs what matters you know your stars matter as lineups shrink but your bench gets even more important the players that do produce on your bench you need those guys 10x and uh i think you know losing emmanuel quickly is, is really going to hurt him um but what i do want to say about the knicks is you know i like the move for og but unfortunately i i just don't think that's still going to be enough like i i still don't think that you have enough to mess with the to mess with like just just top tier teams in the east like let's just look at the bucks let's look at the celtics like i think that this was a great move but i just want to you know tell knicks fans and reiterate like this is a great move but not the last move like this has to be the first step in that direction but i still think they should just be looking to go big game hunting and really bring another star or really another solidified score to be able to help jalen brunson out there what do you think about that yeah, I agree with that. I think like the biggest thing and I'm, I was trying to, you know, pull up something like as you were even talking, like the biggest thing is just about like with Jalen Brunson, like there's so much more pressure on him now to do more offensively because you're taking away really two guys that had a, a role in the offense in RJ and quickly and you're replacing it with one in OG and Anobi, who really in his system wasn't even getting as many looks as RJ was for the Knicks. He was probably getting more so close to like what quickly was getting uh, for the Knicks. So it's like you already think about it like from that perspective. And then now it's like this is a team who has we already know Tom Thibodeau, um, you know, often plays his starters like more than almost any other coach runs in the NBA. The Sometimes he runs into the ground. Um, but like, you know, I'm thinking about Jalen Brunson, like him staying healthy, like is going to be even more important, like. 
last year they he played 68 games he played 35 minutes a game Jalen Brunson which was among one of the leaders and guards and they were seven and seven in those games and part of those seven wins came when Emmanuel quickly had a, a big game if he doesn't have a big game I think at least two or three of them were that case so that's probably instead of seven and seven you're thinking like five and nine four and ten in those games so now if Jalen Brunson goes out because he's playing not only 35 minutes he's playing 36 minutes a game this year so far and we've seen how great he's been it seems like honestly he's had to even do more this year and right now the Knicks are lower than where they were last year too so it's like he needs to continue to play at a higher level than he did last year and he needs to stay healthy because if he doesn't stay healthy the seven and seven, if he missed 14 games this year, too, that seven and seven could look like five and nine or four and ten in those games. And that's could be the difference between maybe getting a fifth or sixth seed or seeing yourself on the bottom half of the play in. Man, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think I think that that that's something that the definition got, got to take into consideration. But then, like, honestly, to be real, brother, like as you were talking to me, I'm over here looking at the, the Raptors and Knicks roster and. Like we know that they're they're looking to the Raptors are looking to to, to ship Pascal right like he does it for the timeline uh, probably one of the most most uh, val- valuable pieces you have to be able to ship players out but I'm just looking like why would they get rid of get rid of OG OG was 26 years old still matched the timeline of Scotty Barnes still matched the timeline of uh, of all their young players that they have so I I just I don't I don't I don't know man I just think that you could have did what you did with pascal you know be like thank you for your time as a raptor it was a great it was a fun run uh but now let's get all the young pieces and young assets that we can and build around scotty build around og and go from there but instead now i feel like this rebuild is going to solely w- once pascal is gone i feel like this rebuild is going to solely be on the shoulders of, of, of scotty barnes and i don't know if that was the smartest move yeah i think maybe Part of the reason why is I believe OG has like a player option after this year. And it's like it's like 19 and a half million, which if he was on Toronto, you know, that's about as much money as maybe other teams might give him per year. He might have just declined it and they might have thought like, OK, let's get something now for him. But, you know, at least with, you know, the Knicks, maybe he can even they'll say he can up his value maybe even more. But, you know, we're not going to be the ones paying him. I don't know. I think both these teams are just in a weird situation because, like you said, it doesn't make like it definitely doesn't make the Raptors like championship contenders by any means because they're already on the outside of the play in. Um, And, you know, maybe this could help them get into the play in once again. But that's about probably as far as it goes. And for the Knicks, like I feel like they regressed a little bit, you know, and I'm thinking like of these teams like they're they already weren't as good as Boston or Milwaukee or Philly. This doesn't change anything there. I still think Miami is better. Um, you know, Cleveland, when healthy, I think it's better. Orlando's played better. Like, so they already are thinking, like, we're probably going to be in the play-in. And that's if, you know, nothing drastic happens. You know what I mean? Like, they have to stay 100% healthy. They got to have their starters playing 36 minutes a game or so, which, you know, that's just not what you can expect from the average NBA team today. Man. Man, oh man. Okay, so final verdict, Garrett. Who is the winner and loser? I, I know earlier you said Raptors, but is that your final verdict? I would say so. I would say it's like it's not a total loss for the Knicks, though, because I do think OG and Anobi is the best player in this trade, um, at least as of today. But 
I think like when you lose a piece off the bench like that for like in quickly mm-hmm. and you don't get anybody who can really fill that spot, like you're someone's going to have to be asked to do something like that, that they've never been asked to do before. Like, are they going to, you know, try something out with like Quentin Grimes? Is it going to be Dante DiVincenzo? Like, Josh Hart. I don't really, I don't, yeah, same thing. Josh Hart. Like, I don't expect those guys to be giving you 14, 15 points a game on this team personally. Yeah. So I'm going to say Raptors slight win. <laughs> okay. Raptors slight win. No, Raptors slight win. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on the, on, on the opposite end of the spectrum here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the, the, the Knicks are the winners because yeah, I agree. Like you, they, they still aren't messing with top tier teams in the East, like Bucks, Celtics. And like you said, heat and whatnot. But I think that this is at least, you know, a step in the right direction, a step in the right direction that brings them closer to, um, Two, two, two championship contention taking care of that defense uh but like how you said it's like you know you took care of the defense but then you lost a whole a, a big a bunch of your bench bench scoring so um it's a tough one man it's a tough one for the, for the family out there y'all let us know you know, who, who who's the winner Knicks Raptors you know who who are you what are you, what are you most excited about uh but let's go ahead and keep it pushing here with the news um my brother on December 26th the Detroit Pistons lost to the Nets and they made history that day becoming the first team to lose 27 games in a row in a season. Um, we don't got to get into this, you know, deep, deep, but like real quick, like what's, what's your opinion as to what's wrong with the Pistons? I know we talk a lot about like, you know, off camera about this, but like to you, what's wrong? Yeah. And it's funny because for the, the people at home, like after they lost 27 straight, then they were playing Boston. Like we were literally on the phone talking about it, like near the end of that game. Um, you know, I think there's just a lot wrong with the Pistons when you think about like just overall, they don't have quite the shooting around that team to, you know, go on long stretches that are reliable stretches. Like at the end of that Boston game, like they hit a couple threes, same thing with against the Nets, but like, you know, it just seems like it's once in every blue moon type of thing. And I get it. They got Bogdanovich back now. They've also had some injuries like Jalen Duran's been in and out of the lineup too. So like they've had guys out that haven't been able to like build consistency, I would say. But 28, now 28, but like 27 games, 28 games, like that's, that's I don't think that's, ex- that's excusable for anybody. There's no way you could go two months. Their last win was before Halloween. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Like a Halloween was, it feels like it was so long ago, you know, that's like, wild first week of the season. And of course it came against my bulls, but, uh, you know, then that's a, that's a good reason why I'm glad we don't play them until the end of February. Cause I feel like anybody who plays them now is going to be like, man, we don't want to be that team. You know, that's, that's it. See, now I'm not going to lie. So, so on December 26th, when they lost to the Nets, like they blew a big lead. And then mm. when they, like the following game, when they were playing the Celtics, like they were up by like 19, 21, I think at, at, at halftime. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, like there's no way that the Celtics are not in that locker room right now at halftime saying, for real, do we really want to be the team that loses to this team right now? And then, you know, they ended up stepping it up, but Honestly, yeah, I, I just think that that's, like, absolutely inexcusable. Like, it, it, there's a lot wrong, like how you said, from coaching to shooting to um, the, the uh, minutes management, everything. There's a lot wrong, but I think there's just – like, you're in the NBA, dog. Like, and, 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 and this is one thing I even say to you sometimes off camera. It's like I know it's not on Cade, not all on Cade, and I don't, I don't put it all on Cade, but, like, 
bro was like the number one pick a couple you know saying a couple years back like at some point i'm trying i'm hoping like yo like get us a win like do something here for us don't even carry us to the playoffs but get us a win because 28 is is crazy I, I just think like at least for him and I get it like in those 28 games like some of the games he's played bad clearly um, you don't go 28 straight games and it's like one player is playing like a all time great every game and then like everyone else sucks and you still are 28 losses like otherwise like you would think that they'd request a trade at that point you know what I mean uh, even if it is someone as young as Cade Cunningham. Um, but what I will say is like his responsibility at least is like, you know, trying to set up his players in the best way possible. And like you sometimes see this, um, well, you don't see it right now, but like as a D Rose fan, like, and you know, obviously he's been hurt the last week, week and a half or so, but before Jock came back and a lot of those guys were like lost in the offense and like he would set up guys, whether it's Biombo or Santi Aldama or Jake LaRavia or whoever it might be, but like he can't, catch the ball for them like he can't finish a layup for them like sometimes that's just what it is even if you watch the pistons the same thing has kind of been happening still um you know he honestly could average like maybe two or three assists more per game and so while he's very turnover heavy like i think he his assists could be even more impressive you know i think a lot of people sometimes focus more on just like how many turnovers a guy gets more so than like what you're giving them based on how many turnovers if you have the ball that much like i think a lot of people would still consider russell westbrook a great playmaker historically but he averages like maybe four turnovers a game for his prime maybe some years five right but because he was averaging like 11 12 assists you wouldn't consider him a bad playmaker those years so i think that's kind of like what it is it's just like you don't have too much reliable options around you and everyone seems like they're going their own way on this team too like that's kind of part of it like if i'm you know monty williams like you got to try and like bring together everybody. I mean, you're the highest paid coach in NBA history. Like you got to bring these guys together in some way, shape or form. Cause sometimes it looks like everyone's just kind of going out there uh, for themselves. And it seems like, you know, a guy like Jaden Ivey, for example, like he got shoved to the bench for Killian Hayes early in the year made no sense in my opinion, and still makes no sense in, I think a lot of people's opinion, like, a guy like him, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just show what I can do. Like, screw the game. I don't care what happens with this. Like, I'm going to show what I can do my own thing. And I feel like there's other people on that team that are kind of in that situation, you know? No, absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. The Detroit Pistons are a complete mess. And yeah, I think I think that's one of that's one of the biggest problems right there is is not is not giving Jaden enough an, an, enough burn enough time out there, especially for Killian. That's that's crazy. That, that's crazy. But let's go ahead and keep it pushing here. And let's oh, well, one, th- on, one thing I will say though too is, you know, we're recording this on you know Saturday like midday. It could end tonight. It could end tonight because they play Toronto. Who a lot of those guys that they traded for aren't going to be eligible yet. That is true on the team. So that's, that is true. It could end tonight. Come on, Cade. Come on, Monty. It could end tonight. <laughs> you guys making yeah. it happen, man. Um, great point, my brother. But let's go ahead and keep it pushing. Let's get to um, brand new segment. First time we've ever, you know, sh- introduced it on the show. Garrett, you the first first guest to be in the segment. Uh, it's called a red light, green light, man. Um, with this February eighth trade deadline coming up, I wanted to do this segment. So basically. Um, so, you know, and for the fans out there, I'm going to list some teams here for Garrett and Garrett will let me know 
red light, meaning they should not make any moves, or green light, they should make a move, whether that be buy, sell. And we, if you want to get into buy, sell, and what for what particular player, by all means, but don't don't feel like you know you got got to do that. Let's just you know what I'm saying shoot the shit and let's you know talk about it back and forth. Uh, that's cool with you, brother. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So the first team that I have here, my brother, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Red light or green light? Mm, I'm going to say red light, Um, you know, and I I know we've talked about like how we think in the playoffs, it might be harder for the Timberwolves to replicate the same regular season success. Um, You know, and I think if they are the one seed, I do expect them to win a playoff series. But second round is going to start to get tough. Right. So I just think, though, with what you have, it's a good thing going. Um, We don't know. We've never seen this unit like kind of healthy with the chemistry throughout the full season, because last year, like Towns missed so much time. And then like Ant was kind of like banged up in the last month of the year before the playoffs. And then like Gobert kind of had his moments where he was in and out and then they traded for Conley. So like. I'm curious to see like how this team and they didn't even have McDaniels either for like the play in really. So I'm curious to see like how this core works together. Um, you know, like one thing, at least like you even remember as a Laker fan, like when you guys won in the bubble, like one of the biggest reasons why you guys won was, or two of the biggest reasons really was defense and size. And I think this team definitely has both those elements. Um, you know, yeah, they're not like, probably the greatest three-point shooting team, but I think they're respectable enough. And when you think about it like that, it's like, well, there's there's a team in the modern era that just made this happen. If you think about, you know, some of these other teams, like maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, like when they won their championship, like obviously Middleton's a great three-point shooter and same thing with Brooke Lopez, but guys like Giannis and Drew Holiday who have the ball in their hands a lot, they're not really known as like premier three-point shooters. So... I think it is possible. Um, you know, they, it's going to be, I think we both even said it, going to be very matchup based um, moving forward for them, especially like if they want to progress in the playoffs. I think the biggest thing for them is just winning a playoff series, though, because they've made it now a couple times since they were out of it for like 14 years. They made it in like 2018 and then 2022 uh, last year as well. So I think the biggest thing now is like just winning a playoff series, right? And seeing just how far they can go. If they can win one playoff series, who knows what could happen? Because there's a lot of times where maybe someone is like, they have playoff demons or something like that, right? That's like what they would say, right? But, you know, you could even think about like Chris Paul, for example, and like how he had never made the conference finals for so long. And then he gets him there. Um, Well, he got there with the Rockets, but like after he got there once, had an opportunity to do it with the Suns, maybe his best series came against Denver, when they swept them that year. And then he had a big game six to get to the finals, you know, that uh, next series. So like granted he didn't win the championship, but I think that there is, you know, sometimes like you just need to get that one. It's a little bit similar to what we were talking about with the Pistons. Like if they can get one win, maybe they'll start winning more, you know? Um, and the, with the Timberwolves, like if they are the one seed, you know, especially with a guy like Anthony Edwards is your best player. Like, he might be one of the most confident players in the NBA. So if he's the one seed, I know he'll be thinking like, oh, yeah, we're number one. You know, like we're number one for a reason. So I don't know. I th- I think right now, red light, I'm going to say. Red light. I'm right there with you, brother. Red light. Hold. Don't move. Because, I mean, like you said, I think 
I think I think this team is great, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like they're a great complete team, regular season, right? They got Conley, they got Ant, who's just playing like crazy MVP level, crazy confidence, McDaniels, Rudy, Cat. They even got a deep bench with Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Shake Milton. Like these are players who could start on some teams around the league, like genuinely start on some teams around the league. But like I said, I just don't believe in them come playoffs. Like that's a whole different story. We don't necessarily got to get into that. Like why I don't believe in them come playoffs. But I mean, at the end of the day, like how you said, it's going to all come down to matchups. And for them, like they just better hope they get a matchup that will favor them. Because if not, like I, I, I can say it right now. So maybe everybody wants to look back. I will not be surprised if they get a non-favorable matchup and lose one eight one one eight seed in the first round. They've also, you know, since they've made the playoffs again in 2018, they've never been a higher seed. So I think if they are a higher seed, not only would it give them confidence, but like they'd be a little bit more comfortable, I think. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just feel like that also plays a part of it as well. If, if it's worked in the regular season enough to get to somewhere where you haven't been in forever, then you can kind of take it from there and we'll we'll see what happens. All right. Next team, brother, is the team with, I believe, technically is the best record in the league right now, the Boston Celtics, red light or green light? I feel like this one is simple. I'm going to say red light. Um, you know, they have arguably the best starting lineup in the league. Guys like Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser have played really well. Um, so, like, they definitely have a lot of options too. So, uh, and especially with, Joe Missoula in his second year, it seems like he's more um what what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe a little bit more aggressive with in the right ways. I mean, like, I don't know if you saw the end of that game against Toronto the other night, but like he it was weird because he put Luke Cornett like to box out uh I think it was Siakam was shooting the free throw to try and miss to get a rebound to tie the game, and he put him in front of Siakam rather than like boxing out there. And like he tipped it out and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, he actually made like a great coaching like move, you know, because that really like sealed it, you know. But, um, you know, I don't know. I think overall, like Boston, they're the best record in the league. You don't want to mess up like, you know, something you got good going. And, uh, you know, as long as like they can, you know, the Tatum and Brown like can be consistent when it matters most down, most down the line. Um you know, poor Zingas. I know he's kind of had like his playoff woes in the past. If he can just take it a little bit up, same thing with Drew Holiday on the offensive end because we know what he can do on the defensive end. Um, and if Derek White continues doing his thing too, I think this is a real championship contender. Seriously, I'm right there with you. I just, I honestly, I'm, of course, I'm right there with you, red light. Uh, but I just wanted to ask that just because the Celtics in Minnesota have similar, um, similar records. The Celtics are as of today 25 and six, and Minnesota's 23 and seven. So just wanted to get the temperature on that, but I'm right there with you. Uh, next team that we do have, my brother, is the Oklahoma City Thunder, red light or green light? Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, if I had to choose between red light and green light, I would probably say green light, actually. Um, although I'm more like thinking like a yellow light. You know what okay. I mean? Be okay. be because like I feel like, you know, like they have so many assets with, you know, draft compensation and really a team that if they wanted to could go like 12 or 13 deep. I know they kind of stuck to like about an eight or nine man rotation, but they could go like 12 or 13 deep if they wanted to. So you could package like a couple of those guys, maybe like, you know, bolster around like 
putting something around like Shay and you know Chet and you know J Dub and stuff like that, like you know maybe get like a pure power forward. That's probably like the one thing I would aim for. Um, but you don't want to get someone who's like too old and messes up the timeline. You know what I mean? Like because that's not going to be there long term. I always think of it like you know like when the Nuggets got Paul Millsap a few years ago and he helped them like change the culture to become a like winning team. But by the time they were actually a championship contender, a championship team, he wasn't there anymore and he was really out of the league. So at this point, like the thunder, they are in the middle of that like rise. So like, you don't need necessarily a guy who's like gonna bring you there, but you maybe like you could have like a voice in the locker room, but only if they're in a role, like a Deandre Jordan type of thing. You know, I, I don't know if you necessarily need a guy who's, you know, 32 years old. Like, like, let's say they wouldn't do this, but like, let's say someone who is like in the position of like DeMar DeRozan right now. Like, I feel like that that one really bode well for the Thunder because he's going to have the ball so much in his hands and it's going to mess up the flow of the offense. And overall, it's just like, I don't I don't know how well it's going to go, especially with a, a bunch of young guys on that team. So like maybe get a veteran who probably doesn't have too much of a role, like a Jeff green, like a Deandre Jordan type of role, and then maybe a power forward. But I say yellow light because they really don't need to make a move either. Mm -hmm. Like they could just ride out this season and like, see how it goes. So I'll lean toward green light. Like they could definitely make a move, but, um, (laughs) uh, more so yellow light. Okay. Okay. Look, so here's where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm at a similar place with you. Um, because they're they're in a good spot, right? They're they're in a really good spot. They have the ability to really do kind kind of whatever. I mean, they even could sell if they want to, but that wouldn't be smart. But they have the ability to go wherever red light, green lights, buy, sell. They have the ability to just hold it and just like how you said, just say we're gonna sit on what we have and we're gonna keep we're gonna allow this team to keep gelling and we're gonna beat you as a team. We're not gonna beat you one on one. We're gonna beat you as a team. Or they can go all in and buy and try to really give some good bench depth to this team. Look, SGA right now is playing at an insane MVP level, which I just want to point out and say that, I mean, only because we talk hoops all the time together. I've been knowing you for a long time. I've been saying this since the summer, like watch how SGA SGA MVP season coming. He probably won't win it, but dude just want to give the man his credit and my take my and, and my take some credit. But anyway, that's neither here or there. SGA has been balling out playing at MVP level. They have a solid starting five in SGA, Giddy, Dort, uh, Jalen and then uh, and Chet, but the reason why I say maybe go all in and add some bench depth is because if the playoffs started now and they had to rely on the bench of Kenrich Williams, Isaiah Joe, who's who's been solid this season, and Kaysen Wallace, the rookie, I think they'd be toast. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I think I think they'd they'd literally have to run a f- a five deep lineup, which is the starting lineup, and that's just not realistic to ask them to play forty eight minutes. Um, and like how you said, they have a lot of young talent and they have a lot of draft capital to where they can finally turn, turn that around and use it for something. So I'm going to go with green light and I'm going to go with buy. They should probably look to, like how you said, just bolster that roster, add some, add some good, um, good bench pieces because you got your starting five, you know, who you're going through, you know, the, 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 the sets you're running, they got a good momentum going. But just add some bench, some some bench depth to that. Just because I just don't think what they have right now is enough to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Just because, like, I don't want them to end up getting stuck in purgatory, right? Purgatory where, man, like we're so damn good in the regular season, and come playoffs, it's a whole different beast. So that's that's where I'm that, that, that's where I'm going to lean on more is that green light buy. 
Yeah, that that's why I'm saying like they have like an eight man rotation, like, but they got really twelve guys. Like honestly, yeah. if they wanted the package guys like nine through twelve, and then maybe a pick or two, you could probably get like a solid like maybe Absolutely. six man or even like a solid starting power forward, and you can move one of those starters or something to the bench, and then like boom, you have like a nice starting unit. You have a go to option off the bench, and then you got a couple of other guys that can make it work too. And I feel like that's kind of like what you need. Absolutely, absolutely. So green light by Ford, Oklahoma City Thunder. What about? Let's jump back to the East. What about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, I feel like this is a definite green light, um, and it might not be like what people think, um, but it's like if you think about it, like you know, Donovan Mitchell has like maybe like what one two more years on this contract. Uh, you know, like you already invested in him. You got to put a team around this core to win now, especially with like Garland and time. It's like there's going to be a lot more opportunity at the point guard spot and at like maybe the power forward spot or center spot off the bench. And they just have so many guys playing on their team that like I just don't believe in at all. Like I've already told you about like Jorgis Nyang. Like Jorgis Nyang might be one of the most frustrating players to watch in the league just because like. I don't, he's so inconsistent as a shooter. He looks out of shape. It's just you need you need to fix it, right? You need someone better there. I also think Karis Levert is a little too inconsistent. Um, you know, he granted he's kind of like taken the role of like when we've talked about like having that primary option off the bench, but I don't know if he should be like it almost feels like his role on the Cavs is very similar to Eric Gordon's role on the Suns. And like both of them are forcing themselves to be one of the primary options that they probably shouldn't be anymore. If they could be more of a catch and shoot guy and just take what the defense gives them rather than like force the action that they probably aren't able to do quite as well as they once could, then things would be better. But that's just not the player that he is. And I feel like like I was even telling my friend Xander when I had him on uh, my show about a week ago, like Karis LeVert, like could definitely see him getting traded. Definitely. Um you know, Max Struess has played okay. Like, I don't see him getting traded uh, this year. But, like, guys like Jorgis Nyang and Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro uh, and, like, get someone else besides Tristan Thompson to be your backup center, please. Because, like, that's – if Tristan Thompson's your backup center in going to be 2024, yikes. 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 That, yeah. 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 I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna keep this short, brother, because um for the family out there that that you know that follows the channel that I recently dropped a buyers or sellers and it's just talking Eastern Conference and I gave my take on the Cavs, man, and I, I'm I'm right there. I think that they are green light. They are absolutely a green light, and they need to buy. And um there is news about Donovan Mitchell and you know him just being done and being out or whatnot. But I just think I I, I think back to that um that Bucks. And I, this is the same example I gave in the buyers or sellers episode. I think back to that, uh, to when the Bucks lost to the Heat, right? And 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 Giannis was clearly, you know, clearly upset once he loses to the eighth seed, and him talking about like, oh, I'm a winner, and and if I can't win here, like, I'll win wherever, wherever, wherever I puts me in the best position to win. And then what did they do? They went out and got Dame. And even before they got Dame, when Giannis was was frustrated about not you know getting to that next level they went out and got drew holiday right so they the teams they need to realize like you need to do whatever it takes to keep your star happy and and well like how we've said um 
Donovan Mitchell clearly is just carrying to this team way too much. There's so many times, and I I know Gar- Garland's out right now, Mobley's out with these injuries, but even when they're here, Donovan Mitchell has to just do way too much carrying, and I think that they need to um, maybe try to try try to recoup what whatever. Maybe Donovan Mitchell in his head is already mentally gone, but if you can bring in another star or bring in another player so that Donovan Mitchell doesn't have to do all that carrying, maybe that can change his mind. So. My in my eyes, um, whether he gave this news about uh, wh- whether the news came out about Donovan Mitchell being gone or not, until he is off that team, until he's not wearing a Cavs practice jersey, a Cavs uh, mm. uniform, you as the management got to do whatever it possibly takes to try to bring someone to say Donovan Mitchell is this good? Like, are you happy with this? Like, do you think we can compete with this? Do you feel like we're putting you in a position to win? Like how the Bucks did to 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 Giannis, and you know that move essentially helped them win a championship. It's that three spot primarily. Like they just haven't figured it out since they got Mitchell on the team. Like there's just they've thrown like probably six different guys in there, and like not one has been consistent enough to be relied upon. And that includes, you know, guys like Karis Levert and you know guys like Isaac Okoro who've seen the most time there. Like they just have to. That's the biggest thing they need. Like, get an actual reliable three and D at the three. <laughs> I like that, brother. I like that. I mean, yeah, like you said, in my opinion, everybody's available except Gary's Garland. Like, absolutely everybody's available. Even Mitchell, too. Well, Even, I mean, I guess if they wanted to go, like, if they thought he'd leave, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if he, yeah, if, he, if he's, if he's, but I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, keeping Mitchell happy, like, trying to keep him on this team. Everybody's available except Garland and and Mobley. You know how I feel about Mobley, but that's mm. that's a whole another story. What's up, brother? You have some add to that? Are you good? No, I mean honestly, I think at least lately, like Jared Allen hasn't played too bad as well. Like mm-hmm. you know, so I I definitely um you know I feel like he's definitely gonna have to assert himself more into a role now that Mobley's out. That you know maybe he could replicate what he did the year before that. And like I feel like he hasn't played too bad, so. I just feel like their main four should be safe. You got to, if you have to package like four or five of your other guys to get that guy or two guys that you might need on your bench or in your um, rotation, that's what you got to do. They also need a new coach, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah. No, you got to, you got to do one thing that I always say is like when you have, generational players and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and include Donovan Mitchell. He's a really good player. I mean, it's, I may catch some hate for this, but saying Donovan Mitchell's generationals, some people might hate me for that, but it is what it is. I, he's, a, he's a really good player. If not generational, one step below it. Uh, when you have players like that, that are putting you in a position to win, like who you got to go over the luxury tax. You got to do whatever it takes, try to win a championship because winning is the ultimate goal in my opinion. But with that being said, Let's keep pushing to the next team, and that is the Pelicans. How do you feel about the Pelicans? Red light, green light. The Pelicans. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say green light. See, like the Pelicans. I've, I think I've, I've, I've said this to you like off camera and stuff like that. But like, they gotta be the most. Or if you're a fan of the Pelicans, I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> like, like they gotta be the least intimidating supposed good team in the league. And I say that because, like, they could go around. Like, they literally beat Minnesota this year. I think they might have beat Denver, too. And then they lose back-to-back games at home against the Grizzlies when they literally had a pretty decent lead late in game 
of both of them. They lost to the Jazz. Like they've lost to so many bet my Bulls. Like before, this is like before the Bulls really kind of figured it out too. Like you know, I wouldn't say we figured it out, but like we've done better recently than we did, but earlier in the year. And like losing to teams like that, like you're you're not a contender and you're not a legit team. Um, I think Zion, like to me, I've defended Zion a lot. But it just doesn't seem like whether it's New Orleans or not, it just doesn't seem like his heart's as invested in it. And there's players that I think are passing him up. You know what I mean? Like literally, I was just watching um, I think when it was against the Rockets and like Shangoon had like a career high. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, realistically, this might be a hot take, but I'm thinking like realistically, like, is Zion a better player than Shangoon? And I don't think so. I don't. Honestly, I mean, one of one, like, just take Zion, take Shangun. Like, I personally would still take Zion just because of what I know he can do. But I mean, he's he's more athletic. But, like, what else? Like, defensively, Zion's not giving you that. And, you know, just in terms of shooting, like, I trust Shangun. I think Shangun has better footwork. Like, even if you're – like, he's got the size – the height advantage, not the size advantage, but, like – I don't know, like that. That's and there's no way that Zion should even that should even be a discussion. Shangun literally came two years after him and was not seen as a prospect. He was not. No one was thinking of him to ever be doing anything that close to what he's doing right now. And because of Zion right there, and like you know Ingram, it seems like he's always in and out. CJ, obviously, he missed a lot of time earlier in the year. He's come back. But it seems like he's kind of struggled a little bit to an extent when he's come back. Um, and like Valanciunas is like, if the game's on League Pass, he looks like the greatest center of all time. If the game's on national TV, he looks like probably a bottom five center in the league. And like, other than that, like a lot of their bench guys, like, I don't know how many games like Alvarado misses and like Herb Jones, it seems like he's always like, you know, so, there's something with him. Like they just have too many injuries. So, if they want to compete, definitely green light, but like they're kind of their own enemy. Yeah. And I think, I honestly think like, you know, like more to that Shangun, Shangun and, and, and Zion thing. Like, I think that Zion can be better. I just like genuinely. And I even told, I've told you this off the phone. Like, I just don't think he wants to be there. And, and I think he's taking the worst possible route out. Like Kawhi Leonard, when he, when he didn't want to be in San Antonio, he didn't want to be in San Antonio and he kind of did the same thing where not playing and this and that. And, you know, th- that's a whole different story. But I think that like people already knew Kawhi is that guy. Like we, we you, you could just tell like Kawhi is that guy. Zion, like there's some people who are sold that he's that guy, but there's not many people that are sold. That he's that guy. Like w- w- he, he got the all-star selection playing. Like, I think I believe like, like only 25 games granted he dominated those 25 games was looked like a, a animal, but I think that like he doesn't want to be there. And I, I I think he thinks the same thing that like people think that he's Kawhi Leonard with it. Like you're not that guy yet, bro. And you haven't proved it for long enough that you can be that guy to where you can just put your hands up and say like, Oh, I'm just not going to give us the same effort. Like I've heard reports of the Pelican, the Pelican saying that he's refusing to uh, get, like get, get with their dietary dietary person. Like I've heard reports saying he's, re- he's refusing to get with like their, um, the, the Pelicans training staff, like I've, I heard he reports saying that he's just choosing his own person to do his diet. He's choosing his own person to do his workouts. And I think that like he's just getting he's just getting to the point where like he just doesn't want to be there. So right now it may look like, you know, Sangoon is 
is the you know the, the better of the two, but I'm gonna still keep keep, keep the faith with Zion, man. I'm gonna still keep the faith. I think that he could still be that guy. I'm not gonna lie, man. Just not in New Orleans. He doesn't want to be there. If if I had an All Star selection for this season, I could only give it to one of those two. I'm giving it to Shengun for oh, sure. For sure. Like like it it just it just like and I think the Rockets are even a little bit below the Pelicans, but like Zion to me, like he. Like his stats are like I think even worse than like what he was as a rookie, and yeah. it's a faster game. So like you would think that that should even like give you an edge today to you know average better numbers, look like a better team all around, and like you know it just seems like that impact that he had literally at the start of last season. Like you know they were the one seed after like what twenty five thirty games, and like you just haven't seen that this year. It seems like he's kind of like taking a step back, and it's a really a shame because I thought especially with Ja missing so much time early in the year. And like, they're always compared because they were drafted one and two together. I'm like, this is going to be the time that Zion's going to actually like take a leap up. Literally. I know he was going to take a big leap step down. back. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it's just like, it's, it's not even just him, but it's just a frustrating team to watch from like top to bottom. Um, seems like Jose Alvarado is always out. Like Willie green makes crazy decisions late in games. Like there's a reason why they're Oh, and six. And games decided by three points. That's crazy. Oh, and six. That's crazy. So, that is I a team that's that the, cannot perform most, in the clutch. Yeah. And and it's just not going to be like, you know, I saw something earlier today like that said, do you think the Thunder will win a playoff series? And I said, you know, I think they definitely can. But right now, if the season ended today, they'd play the Pelicans. Late in games, you know, SGA and what he's been doing this season just him alone and Chet. I mean, Chet hit like a shot to force OT against the Warriors. He had a he led a big comeback with his defense against the Cavs. Like that team would run circles around the Pelicans in the clutch. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 right there with you, and I just think that this whatever's going on in New Orleans is clearly affecting Zion because when when he was playing there and he and he had the 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 desire and the energy to be there, like like the the you know the 2021 season. And average 27 points per game. And again, granted, only only on 61 games, played 61 games. But um, even with that, boom, got you know, got his all-star nod. Last year, he only played 29 games, averaging 26 points per game. So then so so the numbers that's why I gotta give how many games he plays because the numbers are gonna clearly be skewed. But even with that, like people saw him still worthy of that all-star. So you could just hope that he still has that ability. But as of right now, it's looking like uh he just want to be there. He needs to get in touch with like whoever helped Kevin Love lose weight in 2014. Because <laughs> remember how Kevin Love was always like, yeah, like super thick in Minnesota. He got to the Cavs and now it's like he Thinned basically flushed out, you know. So like that's Man. who he needs to talk to. Come on, Zion, stop eating all that all that jumbo or gumbo, whatever they call it out there in New Orleans. <laughs> the gumbo, <laughs> the gumbo. Come on, Zion, man. Um, all right. Well, next team that we have here is a team that. I'm not going to say you're a fan of this team because you're a Bulls fan, but you like this guy a lot. The Clip- I was about to say Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you do like Kawhi Leonard, but the Clippers. Green light, red light, what's the deal with the Clippers? Yeah, um, you know, I am a Kawhi guy, uh, you know, a uh, big fan of the fun guy. But anyways, um, you know, I think right now, do they need to make a trade? No, uh, I would say no, just because they've played so well, like literally – they've won the last like nine games that Kawhi Leonard has played. Um, and even like the last couple games, you know, without him, the first few were kind of ugly against OKC in Boston. 
Uh, they won against Charlotte, but that doesn't tell me much because they're starting their own losing streak. And I think like with the Grizzlies, like, you know, they haven't lost yet with Ja. So that was a pretty big win. Um, you know, I think if they can, you know, keep it afloat. And that's kind of the biggest thing, too. Like, I was talking to some people, and they're like, this is why you got James Harden. Like, granted, in the playoffs, we know he doesn't have the greatest track record. Same thing with guys like Paul George and Westbrook. But in the regular season, like, they should be good to get you wins when you need it. Um, and that's really the biggest thing at the end of the day. You need to have Kawhi Leonard on the floor when the playoffs start. And I think he's only expected to miss maybe, like, one more game, or he could be back by the next game. I don't really know. Um but regardless, like that's kind of the end all be all. And I think that they played well, like since they've kind of figured this thing out with these guys they are sitting at like fourth in the West, which if you would asked me like after they started off, um, what, what were they like three and like eight or something or yeah, they were like three and eight or whatever. And that like they would turn that into 19 and 12. Like I wouldn't believe that. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's a huge turnaround already. And if they get healthy, even then, like when um they had like the win streak going, like they weren't even like a hundred percent healthy because Paul George had missed some games. And then Paul George came back, he was kind of slow to get it together. So like as long as they could be healthy, I would say by March first, no injuries happen from March first to the end of the regular season, and they get a solid month right before the playoffs of so playing together, you know, they're going to be a real threat like uh, enough of a threat that they could go on to win the whole thing now would i favor them no but i think that they very well could if everything went right and especially if you have that the claw playing you Uh, always got a chance if you got a player like that yeah so i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say red light but if we revisit this in like a month maybe like Kawhi's injury is a little bit worse maybe someone else gets hurt and then it's like, okay, maybe we could revisit it. Because I think one player that might actually be on the table for trades could be Terrence Mann. Because he hasn't really played all too well. He's been there for a while. And it seems like for a lot of years, they've held on to him thinking he could be the player that he was in game six against the Jazz in 2021 when he had like 39 points or whatever. Yeah. And let's face it, he's never going to be that player. But I don't know why it seems like Steve Ballmer and the Clippers organization thinks maybe he could still show glimpses of that. And he plays hard for sure, but I don't know. I think that he very well could be uh, someone on the move if he keeps shooting as poorly as he has from three. And definitely a guy like P.J. Tucker, too, because he's already said like he doesn't know his role on this team. And like I don't know what you'd even get for him. Like It wouldn't even really be a move. It'd be like a dead, dead weight transaction. <laughs> a, a, a giveaway. <laughs> it, 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 would, <laughs> it would be a donation. Um Yes, <laughs> they can donate him the Guangdong. Uh, but yeah, either way, like that, nothing big will come out of uh PJ Tucker trade. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, I think the Clippers are they're red light, but I, I would say they're red light because like they, they just have they have what they need. And, and like I said, I don't think they have the even the assets to go get. I mean, they have the assets in Harden and, you know, Kawhi, PG. Like, they have good assets, but those are the guys you're rolling with. You're not going to trade the guys that you're rolling with as, for, for more assets. Um, but like you said, I mean, if if a move happens, I do think it'll be, yeah, like a, a, a Terrence Mann, a Bones Highland. But at the end of the day, I think they should they, they just need to sit on it. Um, get, you know, get the chance to play. Get that continuity. Like, I feel like that's one thing that's so underrated, like, in the league. It's just like, you, you got to, we, we got to remember guys, like, 
this is not 2K. Like, this is real life. Like, they're really out there hooping together. So, like, and you, if you, if you've ever hooped anywhere in life, like, you know that, like, playing with somebody you know, playing with somebody you know how they play, and getting a chance to, like, get, build that continuity is so big. And if you're just constantly swapping and switching and swapping and switching, it makes it tough. So, I'm right there with you. Red light. Um, and then let's get to our last team here in the Eastern Conference. That is the 76ers, red light or green light. That's a big team to talk about here. I'm gonna actually go with the red light. Wow, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go red light. You know, I, I know, like, obviously, like Tobias Harris, and you know, you could always there, he's in trade rumors, and you could always maybe make a move to improve that position. But I feel like with what the Sixers have right now. As crazy as it might seem, you know, and I know like we talked to like a lot of people are saying like that the Clippers have won the Harden trade now because like Harden's like helping them like get on a roll and you know those sort of things. But like if you really think about the pieces that the uh you know the Sixers got and in Covington and Morris and even like you know another former Clipper, not in that trade, but another former Clipper in Pat Bev, like these are guys who have really and Nicholas Batum too. These are guys that have helped like change like the culture of their team. And on top of that, like really, you know, their starting lineup is already kind of made up with a bunch of other guys. So they have a little bit of what we like talked about with Minnesota, like the nine, 10 dudes that it's like all of them feel like, you know, in their prime or veteran type of players with the exception of Maxi, but he's already kind of taken a leap up himself that it's like, it almost feels like he's in his prime, but he even has probably more uh, room to get better. Uh, you know, with Embiid, like it, he just needs to be healthy. Like that—that's the ultimate thing. And it's like you're not gonna, you know, trade him and like get someone who is healthy or anything like that just because of how great he is. Like right now, he's arguably the MVP once again. So like it's you—you you just wouldn't do something like that. But if he's healthy in the playoffs, like he hasn't been the last three years. I know he's played through injuries. But if he's healthy in the playoffs and I think Tyrese Maxey, like, you know, you give him a little bit more of an opportunity. It just seems like, too, they have a lot of playoff veterans. I think there is a chance they could um, get over that hump of like getting to the Eastern Conference finals that they've they've never gotten to in this era. So I think that there's a chance that they could. Um, and yeah, I, th I think I wouldn't really mess it up right now. I think Nick Nurse has done a pretty good job with this team much better than. Doc Rivers. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think right now I'm going to say red light. Uh, if they, I think they red light, but like if there's like someone in the bio market that they could get like a few months from now, like they could definitely make a move like for that, but not anything like too drastic. Got you. Got you. Okay. So here's, here, here's, here's one of our, I guess, big riffs or disagreements here in the show because I'm, a, I'm honest, a green light. Right. And, and, and it kind of, um, and it kind of simulates it's similar to what I was saying earlier in the show of like when you have a chance to go get go get a championship. And, you know, earlier I, I, I grouped Donovan Mitchell in that generational talent. Joel Embiid is a generational talent. He absolutely is. And when you have a player like that and you have a chance to go get a championship after you've just been failing time and time and time again, what for whatever reason, whatever reason you want to put it on, you want to put it on injuries, you want to put it on um, piss poor performance, you want to put it on whatever. You have a chance to be able to go get a championship. Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP level once again, and you have Tyrese Maxey, who's balling out. 
And here is where I have a disagreement with a lot of a lot of my folks out there. Look, man, Tyrese Maxey's doing his thing. But Tyrese Maxey is 23 years old, just turned 23 years old. OK, he is not in my opinion. OK, he's and mind you, this is also the first time we've ever seen Tyrese Maxey in a 1A, 1B role, because prior to then, he's always been more of a. Uh, he doesn't he's, he doesn't have the ball initiating the offense he's more off the ball and 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 even um i heard him on i believe it was jj reddick's podcast he was talking about how um jj reddick was like well how do you prepare for the season with the whole james harden situation happening this is when harden was still on the 76ers and going through the his whole saga of they're always a liar and i'll ever play for his organization again or whatnot and nobody knew if he was going to hold out or if he was going to play and you know what you know what tyrese maxi said tyrese maxi said i'm ready to do whatever if James Harden comes, I'm ready to play off ball and, you know, catch a shoot and play my role. But if James Harden doesn't come, I'm ready to play more on ball. Great. I love the attitude. Love it. Regular season, you're doing your thing. Playoffs is a different monster. I'm not saying that he's going to completely shut down and not be Tyrese Maxey. He is going to still be that guy. But I don't think he's ready for a seven-game series. We're going to sit down and game plan you as the 1B option. Dude, he's like I said, he's 23 years old, dog. Jason Tatum, okay, who, in my opinion, is a far superior player than Tyrese Maxey. He went to he wasn't ready at 22. He he they had deep playoff runs, couldn't do it. 23 wasn't ready. Deep playoff runs, couldn't do it. 24 playoff runs, couldn't do it. And you know why? I think that like the defensive schemes at the highest possible level of the NBA changes when. I get a seven game series to sit down and focus on you versus regular season. We just playing, we just playing, we just playing. Similar to the Timberwolves, right? Timberwolves are catching a lot of teams by surprise. Timberwolves are clapping a lot of teams. Why? Because of <laughs> that sounded crazy, but <laughs> the, the Timberwolves. That's what I was like. <laughs> they, 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 they don't pause. But, but anyway, the, the Timberwolves are giving it to a lot of teams. But I think regular. I, uh, I don't know if that's that, even. <laughs> I can't. I just can't get. I just can't get it right right now. But you get what I'm saying, man. The Timberwolves are solid in regular season. I think story changes come playoff. And um, the reason why I say green light by is if you could get a Zach Levine over there, if you could get a Pascal Siakam over there, if you can get another like really good score to where you can't just totally focus your energy on Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. So you're going to have to, you know, divvy up that energy of, you know, Joel Embiid's definitely the one a, and you got to give Tyrese Maxey his, 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 um, his defensive attention, but you can't just forget about a Zach Levine out there. You can't just forget about a Pascal Siakam out there because those are, those are scores who can go get it done. So I know this is long winded, but I actually think the 76ers are green and they need to go by for another, not even, doesn't even have to be a star because I wouldn't even consider Zach Levine a star, but another true score that the defense is just going to have to pay attention to. Well, my, my biggest problem with, well, I guess, first of all, like if they were to trade for Siakam, I could actually see that just because like, you know, obviously who's the guy he last played for? Nick Nurse. So you get him back in Nick Nurse's system um, alongside Embiid. Like, he knows what to expect. It'll be easy for him to transition there. That That's a player – that's like a rare case where you could trade for a player at the deadline, and it, and it won't take long before he's, like, familiar in the system. Um, but the other thing is, like, with Zach Levine, the reason I don't like that is because – well, first of all, I don't know if we would do it. I don't know if we would trade Zach Levine for what they would have to offer – unless they were offering Tyrese Maxey, and that's not going to happen. 
Um, but at least for that team, like if you have a Tyrese Maxey and Zach Levine like backcourt defensively, that's probably gonna get cooked. You know what I mean? So like you have that, and then like you, you know, you're taking the ball out of Maxey's hands more. Which personally, I think, you know, to you know me being unbiased, like Maxey's a better player than Zach Levine, clearly. So like I I don't know I th- I feel like even though he doesn't have quite the most playoff experience it's like of you know being a central option on the team like I think with what he did you know last year he kind of saw some of that with Bro- against the Brooklyn Nets in that series and he played pretty well I would say um you know I think he also to an extent did that a little bit with uh against Toronto the year before uh so he's had a few more moments than Zach Levine who he's really only played against the Bucks once he got hurt in that series, and he really looked like Zach Labines. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Labines. Oh man, I like yeah. that. I like Zach Labines, man. Well, so for the family out there, the kind of it comes down to you guys. What do y'all think? Is are, are they red light? Are they green light? You want them to buy? They probably shouldn't sell, but um. So yeah, so red light, green light. Y'all, let me know. And if you don't have nothing to add for that, brother, I will move on here to our next segment, Rate Your Worry. Um, so let's go ahead and keep it pushing. Um, very classic segment here on the show, Rate Your Worry 1 to 10. I have a couple statements here, and you, you rate your, you give me your worry on that. But my brother, um, rate your worry on Darvin Ham not being able to finish the season as the Lakers head coach. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like for some Laker fans, that might be a good thing. Um, like if he can finish the season, but uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say like five, um, which I guess like on a scale of one to ten, it's like a little bit in the middle, but not more so leaning toward it won't happen. It's I don't know. I just don't think that like I think the only time has the only time that a LeBron team fired a coach midway through the season was david blatt right yep so it it just doesn't seem like i I don't know if i can really expect that to happen for darvin ham midway through the year i'm actually you know what i'm gonna say four not a five i'm gonna gonna, gonna switch it to four because i'm I'm talking myself uh out of it but what i do think is like you know if they have a season this year where let's say they lose in the first round or um even the play in or something, but I think they'll at least make the playoffs. Like, but if they lost in the first round or maybe even the second round or something, I could definitely see them moving on from Darvin Ham. Um, but also, I think part of it is like just thinking about well, Darvin Ham with this core, maybe you know, we don't know for sure how well. we also don't know how long like uh LeBron's gonna be playing and also like playing on the Lakers. So, if that's the case, like maybe a system that's like prioritize around ad or if austin reeves is still there or like some of these other guys like maybe that could be like the best thing for darvin ham rather than you know this system you know sometimes like it that's just like what it is for the coaches but i think realistically like more than likely the coach will go before lebron like that seems like it's been the case every single time except maybe eric spolstra uh so like i don't know like he's been probably the one exception but um yeah i don't know i think he'll finish the season as the lakers head coach but i could see them if they have an underwhelming end of the year he could be gone uh as soon as the day after they get eliminated because i think that was uh that happened with luke walton 
And mm. that happened like literally minutes after the last game of the season for Frank Vogel. Yeah, bro. Literally, Frank Vogel found out he was fired in the interview. They were like, they were like, oh, well, like, how, I don't know, how do you feel of like, you know, the, the recent move? He's like, recent move of what? <laughs> He's like, you're fired. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're gone, buddy. But uh, nah. You're ready I, to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> he's 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 over there in phoenix now struggling but it might be the same exactly we'll 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 actually get into that very shortly here stay tuned but um so i'm 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 also at a four because i i don't think that firing like as much as i don't think darvin ham is the answer and like i can sit here and list you a long list of problems from rotation um uh, m- minutes management rotations um not calling timeouts like oh my goodness like the, the the list goes on but i also think that you know anytime in the nba like like dealing with lebron or not like firing a coach midway through the season like is a tough move man because coaches like their job like it's especially in today's nba like co- coaches there's not many coaches that are out there like running sets like like they're out there at the at the scores table like telling players to run sets like a lot of the times bro it's a high pick and roll and let's get a mismatch and then let's let's try to work off that and and um and let's see you know saying who's who when the defense draw uh draws in like let's kick out and then it really is more of a reactionary game it's not that much of like coaches run sets like more of out of bounds plays coaches have that um but i so i say all that to say like Coaches in today's NBA are more there to just gel. Like, let me let me help this team gel. Like, let me bring this team together. Let me be able to do all that. And Darvin Ham is so bad at that. He's so bad at that. But I also think that they already are running a. a they're already running a, a, on a certain type of assumption. They're already gelling in a certain way. Now it's not a great way that they're, that, that they're gelling, but they're gelling in a certain way, and they understood the way that Darvin Ham wants to do certain things and bringing in another coach and just. Totally changing the, the the script midway through the season, I think, would be very hard unless you already had somebody you know up your sleeve that you already knew. Uh, I would love Mark Jackson, but again, like I just I don't think that a mid season move th- th- throughout the season is is even going to happen, or, or or I don't think it's better than what we what we have right now. But I've heard a lot of you know reports of players being so frustrated about lineups, players being frustrated about their roles, players expressing confusion about minutes, and I'm talking important players, players like Austin Reeves, like mm-hmm. those those guys who need to know what they're doing out there, especially on a team like this. But Darvin Ham is just she's just honestly t- a terrible coach right now, and and also like and an- another thing I'll bring up is like players are are now starting to uh and this is a big thing like in in basketball is like players are now starting to low key i think well i wouldn't say starting to it's gonna start to become like um a, a enemy type thing within the team because there are certain players who have longer leashes and other players who have shorter leashes like Delo, Rui, AR, those are three guys who are who face shorter leashes like they make a mistake boom to the bench or they 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 don't play very well one game boom like next game 15 minutes 16 minutes 17 minutes but or coming off the bench (laughs) or exactly or or, or sometimes they'll have players like but then they'll have players like cam reddish and toy and prince who will make those same mistakes but continue to play 34 minutes continue to play 34 minutes and and then and then like as a player like you you start to look around like hold on bro like me and him just made the same mistake but now he he faces a, a longer leash for what? And then that's when I think that divide within the team is going to come. 
So honestly, my, my answer is a four because the question was right. You're worried that he won't make it through the season, but I, I am at a 10 and I hope he gets fired after the season. Cause it just, it just, it's just not it. It just doesn't make sense. And come on, man, we're trying to win with a, I know you don't think he's the goat, but he's my goat. LeBron is my goat. We got we, we got the goat out there. When he, at thirty eight years old, thirty nine, how long is he going to keep playing at this amazing level? Like, let's not take this for granted. Let's go all in, and I think going all in is getting a better coach. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, it's um, a tough one. I don't know. I mean, it is always tough to you know coach the second greatest player ever. But oh, uh, <laughs> okay, next right, you're worried, my brother. We talked about Frank Vogel, and um, I gotta ask you, like, rate your worry on just the Suns overall, like overall, like we they 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 we we and them had higher expectations for themselves, and here here they are now. My worry is a seven, and I, I give it a seven because like I'm not gonna give it a full ten because it's like not over, but like. Mm-hmm. Their big three, like his, his historically over the last couple of years, from Devin Booker last year and even part of this season, and Bradley Beal for the last couple of years, and Kevin Durant ever since the Achilles injury, like they're always missing time. And granted, you know, Beal just came back again, so they finally played with the big three again. Uh, but prior to that game against the Hornets the other night, like they'd only played 13 minutes together in over two months. 13 minutes in over two months. We thought it was bad with the Nets big three only playing 13 games together. 13 minutes? Jeez. Okay, like, so that's the first thing. And hopefully they're going to, you know, stay healthy, but it's just hard to even expect that they will, you know, at this point, especially if I'm Bradley Beal, like, I'm pretty sure you're already out of all NBA or, you know, those sort of conversations. So, like, if there's another game where it's like, mm, I'm not feeling like a hundred percent, you might miss that game. Like he might say like, you know what? Like, you know, we got, we got Kevin and, you know, Devin Booker out there. Like they can kind of take care of business and I'm a, I'm a rest, make sure I'm good for the playoffs. But you know, that the NBA is trying to like cut out this, like almost load management type of thing. And, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, it did work maybe to an extent with the Spurs. It worked, you know, with the Raptors, with Kawhi that one year, but it just doesn't work out in the recent years the same way. So I just think like when they don't have a point guard, because they don't have a point guard, they're asking Devin Booker to basically play point and maybe he's done about as good as he could, but he's not a true point guard. He's a combo guard. And you know, like Kevin Durant is frustrated. And when Kevin Durant gets frustrated, what usually happens? He (laughs) wants to go elsewhere. You know, like he got frustrated with the thunder, went to the warriors. You know, he got frustrated with the media's perception of him with the Warriors, went to the Nets, got frustrated with the Nets, requested a trade, got shut down for that offseason. He tried to play it out, requested a trade again. Now he's frustrated with the Suns. So, like, what what do we think is going to happen if things don't change? And I feel like their bench just absolutely is mid, you know, and that's maybe even being generous because I feel like they have a lot of guys on that bench that are just old. And not only that, but, like, Frank Vogel – he I don't know like he just makes like really bad decisions as well there's too many times I'm seeing like five players on the court and none of them are named Kevin Durant or Devin Booker or Bradley Beal and it's not even that it's just like you know I get it they've had injuries but like there's been a decent amount of games where like Durant and Booker have played still where he's doing that and like you can't have 
a lineup out there that's led by Eric Gordon. You can't. You can't have a lineup out there that's led by Grayson Allen or Josh Akogi. Like you're you're gonna lose that lineup. I mean, you probably remember. I think both of the games uh, with the Lakers and the Suns. Uh, I think both the games that uh, Booker did not play against you guys. You guys were down like 15 going into the fourth quarter. Durant's out. You know, like even though he had sat out like four minutes at the end of the third quarter, he waits to bring him in until like halfway through the fourth quarter. By that time, you guys were winning both those games. I don't know if you remember those games, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So like, it's just, it's just bad. And I've already said like their, their, their center position stinks. Like Nurkic, like he's, he's just absolutely washed at this point. Like, and that's no offense to him, but like, it's just true. Uh, Drew Eubanks, like, He's so bad. Like me and my dad call him Drew. You stank. Like, <laughs> like it's it's just terrible. Like you know, like he. I don't know. Like they're asking players to play roles that they can't play, and they're not gonna be a team that you can take seriously until they have a center that can defend mm-hmm. and rebound consistently, and a point guard that can actually run the show. And that's why, like, um, I know we didn't talk about him for like the making a move thing but like i think one person maybe the sun should keep an eye on if there's really no options is like this situation with ricky rubio with the Cavs because he hasn't really even played this year and he was comfortable when he was in phoenix last time he's played with devin booker so like maybe you could pick him up for cheap he could be like a true point guard or something like that and that might make things a little bit easier at least from the point guard sense i don't know no that's real brother and i ain't gonna lie I have them, and I know you said I'm not gonna go with ten because it's not over yet. But I'm at a ten. I I, I am extremely oh. worried about this team, and for all the reasons you said and more. Right, the Kevin Durant frustration, the no point guard, and forcing Devin Booker to be a point guard. I was listening to uh, a podcast yesterday with um, I believe yeah, it was Kevin Durant. It was the K- KG certified. It was Kevin Durant and Tyrese Halliburton. And they were talking to, and he asked Tyrese Halliburton a little bit about like, oh, like how, how do you feel about that? Um, like that two front, uh, that two guard front, like when it, when he was in the Kings and it was him, you know, him and De'Aaron, like those are two guards uh running, running that one and two. Um, and he was talking about Tyrese Halliburton was basically saying, like, you know, I think that's solid and it's, it's situational and depends on works on a team, but like. I think that every team needs to have a point guard who's playmaking and getting uh, getting other people going. And then you need to have a player in that two position who, once they get the ball, they're not thinking like, oh, I'm here to playmake. No, I'm here to put buckets on you. And I think that's where Devin Booker is best used, right? Devin Booker can play. And like you said, he can be point guard, D-book. It's great to see. I love to see the bandana. I mean, the, 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 the headband he wears and whatnot is dope. I love point guard book. And he does a good job in it, but not – what they had in mind because you bring in Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and, and Devin Booker into this team, you got you have one thing in mind, and that's raising that banner. It's not uh it's not being mid, right? It's 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 to raise the banner. And then another thing, right? We talk about the idea of the big three. They brought in the idea of this big three. So what what were they willing to do? They were willing to sacrifice their bench depth because of the big three. They were like, wow, well, we have Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. But the issue is they have not played together. So you sacrifice your bench depth for something that just simply has not happened yet. And it has not happened just because Bradley Beal is just like, oh, sorry, y'all. Like, I'm mentally checked out. No, this guy's going through a back injury. Back injuries are so crucial and so, in, like, in, 
detrimental to a player's a player's success, a player's development. So you sacrifice your bench, you sacrifice your depth for three stars that have not got to play together. And when they did get to play together against the against the Charlotte Hornets, they won. Congratulations, kudos. Bradley Beal had six freaking points in thirty minutes. Okay, like it, 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 I just think that there's so much wrong. Like how you said, the bench is terrible. Why? Because they gave up the bench for that for the the big three idea. Who's not playing? They have a defensive minded coach. I know some people are gonna think I'm hating just because I'm a Lakers fan, but Frank Vogel is not a good coach for an offensively built team. Frank Vogel went help us win a championship in 2020. You know why? You said it earlier in the show. We were a defensive menace that year, man. It wasn't nobody messing with us on defense. And Frank Vogel is a defensive minded coach, so it was very smart that. You had a defensive-minded coach coaching defensive-minded players. The following year, when the Lakers just said, screw it, we're going to totally move away from the from the formula that worked, um, and we're going to become an offensive-minded team. We're going to try to outscore teams. That's when they bought T.A. and Carmelo and all these players, and they were th- you know, thinking they were going to outscore teams, right? You were thinking you were going to outscore teams with a defensive-minded coach. Didn't work. Boom. He ends up getting sent out of there. Now he's in, 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 in the Suns where they're not a defensive-minded team. They don't have defensive-minded players, but they got a defensive-minded coach. This is literally a crash course waiting to happen. That's why I'm out of 10. Like, I know it may sound crazy because it's not over, but it's like I'm looking east, west, south, north, and I see no hope for them. I see no hope for them. Like, And and even if you do get Bradley Beal back, even if you do, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? You're going to do the same thing you did last season? Kevin Durant. 30-point game, 40-point game. Devin Booker, 30, 40-point game. Bradley Beal, 20, 30-point game. Still down by 30. <laughs> Still down by 30. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm worried. I'm wor- if, if I was a Suns fan, I'd be even more worried. Shout out my boy Dylan. He's my neighbor. He's a big Suns fan. I don't know why he's a Suns fan, but he is, and it's crazy. Yeah, I just think, like, them trading for Bradley Beal was, like, the worst thing. The worst even thing. in – even at the moment, I thought it was a bad idea, but like in hindsight too, it's a bad idea. You're just getting another guy who's very injury prone. And if you think about it, like you were saying about Halliburton, like sometimes it works, but you need a guy usually you can play like a point guard and then the combo guard like in that role. Well, Devin Booker is the best combo shooting guard on that team. And you already have Kevin Durant to play the small forward position. And if you're getting a true point guard, which you know none of those guys are, well, where's where Bradley Beals is there. He doesn't really fit in or anything like that. And like, you're just, you sacrificed a whole lot of depth for a guy who's not only that, but he's undersized really for his position. He's not really known as a defender and the way he can create shots, like almost feels redundant. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's why I'm out of 10. This is just, just crazy for them, but Let's get to the last segment of the show here, my brother, and that is the winners and losers of the week. One of my favorite segments. Since you are the guest, I will give you the floor. You can run off both winner or loser or just go one one, one at a time, and I'll go whatever you like. So the winners of the week. I'll, I You know, last time I was on, I thought of two. Um, you know, I'm going to think of two as well the well the first one i'll say it's kind of obvious you might actually have it too uh even though they did lose yesterday i think the grizzlies are winners um you know considering like they get john moran back and like when he's been playing even though they did lose to the clippers they're four and one like they have been a much better team with him and you know it kind of keeps their playoff hopes alive you know what i mean so 
I'm going to say that that's one of my winners. And then um, I guess the other winner I will go with, um, you know, wasn't easy, but, you know, granted, the Celtics are still 16-0 at home. So I got I to give them that because it's been a while. Like, I don't know. It might be. I think the last time a team started off that well at home was uh, when that year when the Spurs and the Warriors, like the Warriors 73 win year and the Spurs won 67 games. I think both of them started off really well at home. Uh, so I, it's been a while. And I think if they win two more games, they'll tie their franchise record for the best start ever, which was like 1958 with Bill <laughs> Russell. So. That that would be huge, and it, I think it would definitely put them more on the map. And nine and six on the road too is pretty good. Um, my losers, though, um, I got I got two losers, uh, and really both of them are kind of they're similar in their own right, but a little bit different. Uh, my my main loser though, it, it's got to be the Nets fans that went to that game against the Bucks on Wednesday. You know, they they paid to see their players play and they they Jock Vaughn benches them after the first quarter. Yeah. Like, I don't even get it. Like, it, it really actually had me upset. So I'm going to go with them as my first loser. And my other loser, you know, someone who I've had on my channel, someone who you've had on your channel. But, uh, you know, shout out, you know, our guy, Willie G, you know, Nuggets fan. You know, they were on a six game winning streak, but he went to the Nuggets game the other day. He, got, he went court size. So that's a W. But they got blown out by the Thunder, and he saw SGA just give him the work. So, unfortunately, he's a loser. Man, Willie G, my Third brother. Day. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I like your winners and losers. My winner of the week, I'm going to keep that short, John Morant for sure. Like, even though they are on a two-game losing streak now because they lost to the Nuggets and the Clippers. But they John Morant did not play against the Nuggets. He did, he did play against the Clippers, but – when he came back, they went on a four-game winning streak, and yo, like they have, they had like ten wins. Like that was he. He came back and helped them get like the majority of their wins. So he's already got double the wins of the Pistons <laughs> in a on, week. Man. That's wild. <laughs> Shout out, Joe. He's a winner. And the loser, I have two losers. One loser is somebody who's probably never touched or seen an NBA or not somebody, something, however you actually, some people refer to dogs as people. So um, the loser of the week to me is the dog that bit Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is now out indefinitely. I don't know if you've seen that because mm. on Christmas day, a dog attacked him and bit and he it left scars on his hand and his face, which is just crazy because like, you know, you think as a basketball player, you know, you got to take care of your body. You know, you got to do everything. That's the last thing you're probably thinking of. And he probably was at somebody's like house for Christmas, you know, some family member's house. And he's like, oh, you know, what a cute dog. And somebody was probably like, hey, it's all good, man. He doesn't bite. He's just, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just rough like that. And then boom, bit his hand. I don't know if he bit his face, but all I know is that scars in the hand and the face. That's crazy. <laughs> so, that dog is definitely the loser of the week. But then the other loser of the week, is they have been the loser of the week for me for I think almost four to five weeks in a row. It's the Detroit Pistons, dog. It's just we we talked about it earlier. I'm not even gonna get into it too much, but you made history for being losers, and you had two times just this week because to, to this week is a week ten recap. We you know we're just finishing up week ten here as we head into the new year. Um, in two in 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 one week you had two opportunities and you were up by twenty one plus both times. And you blew them both against the Nets and the Celtics. Loser of the week, man. Loser of the week for me. Well, they're they must be undefeated and being loser of the week. 
<laughs> they are undefeated in lo- and being the loser of the week, man. But, but but at this point, though, now if they just get one win, I feel like that's going to make them <laughs> a winner of the week. <laughs> if they get yeah, if they get one win, they got against Toronto. I'm I'm calling it. I'm predicting it. If the when this drops, it's you know probably going to drop the day after. They, I think they could do it against Toronto. Catch them off guard. Man, oh man. Um, well, let's see. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, no team in the NBA wants to be the team to lose to them. So <laughs> I will we'll see. But um, man, this has been a great jam-packed episode, Gary. I appreciate you, my brother. And I do want to give you the floor. Is there any last things you want to say before we uh, get out of here? Ah uh, man, uh, you know, W episode. If you guys haven't, be sure uh to like the video, subscribe to Clutch Talk. Um, uh, you know, if you also, you know. Check out my stuff. I'm sure John will have it in the description. Um, but I'm on like YouTube and you, you know, like basically every platform that you could think of. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Um, you know, glad we could, you know, talk basketball and uh yeah, Absolutely, go bulls, man. I guess. Absolutely, go, go bulls. bulls. Go bulls is crazy. Go bulls is crazy, <laughs> but it's all good because you're my guy. I don't know because where they're gonna go, but they can go somewhere. <laughs> go somewhere, man. But uh, for the family out there, just like how Garrett said, man, make sure you check out all of Garrett's work. Um, I will link everything in the description down below. And it'll be right there, right under his little bubble. So make sure you go show some love to my boy. And uh, for everybody, everybody else out there, you know, for the family, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, when, Like I said, when you guys hear this, it'll probably be New Year's. So happy New Year's. Many blessings to all y'all 2024. And um, let's just keep it pushing, man. Like, comment, subscribe. And for now, we out of here, y'all. Peace.